Hey, y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today, which means that you'll hear two hosts, me and Tracy V. Wilson. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's September 29th. Rudolf Diesel disappeared on this day in 1913, which is also generally marked as the day of his death. Of course, Rudolf Diesel is best known as an engineer, the inventor of the diesel engine. He was born in Paris to German parents on March 18th of 1858, and he lived in France until the family was deported in 1870 due to the Franco-German War. Although the family was deported to England, Diesel was sent to his father's hometown of Augsburg, Germany. He showed an enormous aptitude for engineering as soon as he enrolled in school there, and he decided to be an engineer at the age of 14. As he continued his studies, he was really captivated by lectures he attended that were given by Carl von Linde. These were on thermodynamics. And what he became really focused on was trying to replace the steam engine, which was incredibly inefficient. It takes a lot of energy to make the steam required to run a steam engine. About 90% of the energy used in a steam engine is just wasted. And at this point, trains, ships, and factories were pretty much all running on steam. People were mostly traveling by horse. There also were some internal combustion engines in use, but they also were very inefficient. So Diesel was working on an engine that would inject fuel into the engine's combustion chamber, where the air inside of it was compressed to the point that it was very hot. That would cause the fuel to spontaneously ignite. So this engine worked without an ignition system and without spark plugs. Today, we associate diesel engines with diesel fuel, but Rudolf Diesel was designing them to run on vegetable or peanut oil. His first engine was more than twice as efficient as a steam engine, and he got a patent for it in 1892. But he kept on improving his design, trying to make it more and more efficient. And at first, his his invention seemed to be catching on. He was making a fair amount of money. By 1912, there were tens of thousands of diesel engines in use, especially in factories, most of them replacing steam engines. But these early models of the diesel engine had some problems. It was true, they were a lot more efficient than what they were replacing, but they often weren't as reliable as what they were replacing. So dissatisfied customers demanded their money back. On September 29th, 1913, Rudolf Diesel was traveling from Antwerp, Belgium to Harwick, England on the steamship Dresden. He was headed there to meet with the British Navy about the idea of using diesel engines in submarines. And that night, he disappeared from the deck. In the morning, his bed was found not to have been slept in. Then on October 10th, a sailor spotted a body in the water that turned out to be diesels. There is a lot of mystery still surrounding this. Conspiracy theories started circulating all over the place at the time, connected to everything from the oncoming First World War to, just in general, the British wanting to not have to pay licensing fees on his invention. It was officially ruled that he had taken his own life, but many people believed and still believe that he was murdered. The diesel engine continued to be incredibly influential in the years after Diesel's death, though. 
It was used in railroads, and especially in the years after World War II, it became standard in trucks and buses. The diesel engine's high efficiency made it a lot more economical for hauling really heavy loads of cargo or passengers than the other options available at the time. And of course, today there are cars with diesel engines, including those that run on biodiesel, although diesel automobile engines hadn't been developed yet during Rudolf Diesel's lifetime. He was working on much larger engines for much larger uses. Thanks to Christopher Hasiotis for his research work on today's episode and to Tari Harrison for all her audio work on this podcast. You can subscribe to this day in history class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Tune in tomorrow for a colossal aircraft. Hey, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that uncovers history one day at a time. The day was September 29, 1957. A waste tank exploded at Mayak, a plutonium processing plant in the Soviet Union. The explosion led to the contamination of nearby towns, but the Soviet government resorted to covering up the Kaishtum disaster as it's now known. People in the area are still suffering from the effects of the nuclear contamination. In 1957, during the Cold War, the Soviet Union was embroiled in a nuclear arms race with the United States. The Kaishtum Nuclear Energy Complex, then known as Chelyabinsk-40, was located in the Ural Mountains, several miles east of the city of Kaishtum. The nuclear reactors and plutonium processing plant were built at the complex in the 1940s for the development of nuclear weapons. The city built to house the workers was called Chelyabinsk-65. The secret nuclear facility is now called Mayak, and the surrounding city is known as Ozyorsk. There was such a push to develop nuclear weapons that safety and research on the effects of radioactivity on people and the environment was not a priority. Even before the 1957 disaster, Mayak was the source of many hazards and accidents. Workers did not wear much protective gear. Nuclear reactors dumped radioactive waste right into the Tegar River. Villagers who used the contaminated water faced radiation poisoning and other illnesses. Though there have been many accidents at the plant since it opened, the one it's infamous for happened on September 29, 1957. Cooling systems surrounded the buried tanks that contained liquid reactor waste. But one of the cooling systems had been malfunctioning. The waste grew so hot from atomic decay that the system failed. The tank's cooling liquid evaporated, and the 70 to 80 tons of radioactive waste inside the tank combusted. The lid burst, and the explosion created an aerosol plume of radioactive fallout that was spread over about 8,000 square miles, or 20,000 square kilometers. Though around 270,000 people lived in that area, only 11,000 people were evacuated, and evacuations were slow and left many people behind. The Soviet government did not tell evacuees what happened, and the people who remained in the area were exposed to radiation as they were tasked with destroying crops and livestock. 
In fact, the Soviets kept the cause of the disaster a secret, even as radiation sickness sent many people to the hospital and people began dying. The Western press did receive reports that there had been a nuclear accident in the Soviet Union, but those reports were little more than rumor until the dissident Soviet biologist Zorez A. Medvedev reported on the disaster in the journal New Scientist in 1976. The Soviet government continued to deny the occurrence of the disaster until it began declassifying relevant documents in 1989. It's been posited that the US CIA knew about the disaster for years before it was uncovered, but kept it a secret and later downplayed the severity of the accident to avoid sowing doubt about the safety of American nuclear plants. The Kaishtum disaster was rated at a level six as a serious accident on the International Nuclear and Radiological Event Scale, making it the third most severe nuclear accident ever. The two above it, major accidents rated as level sevens on the scale, are the disasters at Fukushima and Chernobyl. The reason the disaster is remembered as the Kaishtum disaster, even though it didn't take place there, is because people were told that a coal boiler explosion in the city caused a mess that residents were made to clean up, with no protective gear. Russia has claimed that the plant stopped dumping its waste into the Teka River, though some people have questioned whether the dumps ever really stopped. Some villagers who lived along the river were relocated, but many still live in their contaminated villages. Cancer, birth defects, miscarriages, and other health issues occur at higher rates in places along the river. The Mayak plant is still in operation, but it no longer processes weapons-grade plutonium. It now reprocesses spent nuclear fuel. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If there's something that I missed in an episode, you can share it with everybody else on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at T-D-I-H-C Podcast. Thanks for joining me on this trip through time. See you here in the exact same spot tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.